Hey, I'm Layla. And I'm Nesta. And, and you, you got, got this. this. In today's episode, we'll be talking about colorism in the media and, and, and how it affects us specifically as black women. We're also going to be getting into how it affects our community and basically the history and where the term colorism came from. Yeah, so let's just start with a quick definition. Um, colorism is a term that was coined by poet and activist Alice Walker, and it is the, prejudi- the prejudicial or preferential treatment of same-race people based solely on their skin color. So the difference between colorism and racism is that, one, racism is a system of oppression and power based on race, and racism is the oppression of white people onto people of color. However, colorism is more subjective, and it can be oppression within communities of color. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to get into first, like, the media portrayal of colorism, or do you want to talk about the history of it? Um, a little bit of both. Yeah. So... I was thinking about um, Hollywood and colorism, because that's just, yeah, I'm going to get closer to the mic, but um, I was thinking of Hollywood and colorism and how that's just like a complete, it, it's such a, it's a, the deepest wormhole because there's just so much wrong with it and there's so much that Hollywood doesn't identify when it comes to colorism. Like they really, it's really always leaning towards the Halle Berry aesthetic, you know, the slim, tall, light-skinned person who's you know beautiful in the traditional way and the eurocentric type way so yeah it's very disconcerting when young black women who are not of that skin tone and who are not of that frame really try to make themselves known in the acting world or in the singing world or whatever industry they're trying to get into yeah so yeah like you said um it's always like the zendaya the zendaya in in like shows and um I've never really seen it addressed. I think the first and only times I've ever seen it addressed is when Zendaya addresses colorism and when she talks about how there are roles made for black women, but when those roles are made, they're made for black women like her. And she addressed, she admitted that, like, not admitted as if she, like, did something wrong, but, like, (laughs) (laughs) guilty. No, she she addressed how she does have a bit of privilege Mm -hmm. um, in the way of she she gets more roles, she gets more roles than her darker... Um, brothers and sisters so yeah she's one of the only I think one of the only ones to address that and yeah yeah and I think um so growing up the a lot of the media I consumed a lot of um was so I watched a lot of like Bollywood movies with my mom Hindi movies (laughs) and I also watched a lot of like Nollywood and Nigerian movies alongside like the black tv shows I'd watch with my siblings Mm -hmm. so a lot of the media I consumed as a kid I was lucky to be able to see a lot of people of color in the media I consumed. However, every single thing I watched played into those colorist roles. And every single time I would watch a movie, like whether it was Indian, Nigerian, or American, the love interest and like the girl that was seen as desirable and attractive and like a full and well-rounded person was always a light-skinned girl. Yeah, we were thinking of a game mm-hmm. called Name That Dark-Skinned Love Interest, and we couldn't. <laughs> really couldn't. We, we couldn't, because there there really aren't any. Like, mm-hmm. there are barely any. And like, the TV show, like, exactly what, like what Layla said, the TV shows and the media that we've been consuming since we were children have really not represented, like, people of, like, my skin tone. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, if you, if, if someone was just 
basing the range of skin tones in America just solely based off of the media representation of black people, mm-hmm. you could 100% make this assumption that there were only light skins in America. Yes. Like, that would be justifiable mm-hmm. completely. And it's just, it's so frustrating because um, when, like, I'm trying to think of, like, a positive character that was, like, a dark-skinned woman, and, like, the only person I can really think of is Gabrielle Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, and Kim Reese from A Different World, she she was portrayed as, like, this smart, intelligent girl, and she was pre-med, and she was all these things, and I honestly, she was also, like, she was, like, I think the only dark-skinned, like, main character girl, because it was, like, a like a, an ensemble cast, and she was, she was this beautiful and amazing person, and her character, and, like, Gabrielle Union, um, in, what was it, in Bring It On, those were the only two people I can think of. Yeah, and what frustrates me a lot is that when there are dark-skinned women in, like, a major role, they're, one, always the best friend, and two, they're always portrayed as like angry. Nope. Viola and, Davis, how yeah. to get away with murder. Like, I mean, I think about that so much mm-hmm. because she's such a badass character, but like, people think of her as crazy. Right. Like, they think, oh, Annalise, she's off her rocker. She's insane. <laughs> but, you know, she's really, really smart. And she, they can never be portrayed in a way that's like uplifting and positive. Like, mm-hmm. no, she, oh, they always have like some shady yes. thing that they did. And like, um, so in my research, uh, I'm researching colorism for my senior project, and I found that dark-skinned women in media play always play into one of three roles, which is the Mammy, the Jezebel, and the Sapphire. So you want to explain those, Layla? <laughs> yes. So the Mammy, the Jezebel, and the, and the Sapphire are all roles that came up um, in the post-slavery South. And so the Mammy is essentially um, a maternal figure. The Mammy figure was usually... Um, the woman that was taking care of the um, the slave master's children. Uh, and while she's depicted as, like, a fat, jolly woman who um, is not a sexual person and does is not seen as beautiful but as matronly, the mammy was usually a young woman mm-hmm. who had recently had a baby so she could breastfeed for the white children. Like, the funny thing is, is that, like, I've never heard of those terms, but I already knew what stereoty- stereotypes they, those were, like, the mm-hmm. Aunt Jemima of it, like, yeah. I already could predict what it is, because there's only three, and mm-hmm. everyone knows what they are, so continue. And so, the next is the Jezebel, she's kind of like the Mammy's opposite, and the Jezebel is really, is really, was really apparent in, like, the 80s and the 70s, especially in, like, black exploitation films. And the Jezebel is, like, the hyper-sexual... Whoa, yeah. I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> um, so the Jezebel was often used to, like, demonize and hypersexualize the black woman. The Jezebel is the reason why a lot of dark-skinned black women are seen as just sexual. Um, and the reason why, like, the only time a dark-skinned black woman is accepted is when her body is, like, greased up and naked. Um, and so the Jezebel is also was also used as an excuse for slave masters to rape the slaves. Um, they would claim that, like, the black women were just sexual creatures. And that's all they were good for. Yeah. That's all they were asking for. And that's for. where that comes from. Um, the Jezebel can actually be... The Jezebel is the one role that, out of these three, that can be either dark-skinned or light-skinned. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of light-skinned actresses currently do play into the Jezebel role, and it's really unfortunate. And the last one, the Sapphire, is probably the one that's most familiar to people currently. The, the angry Sapphire black woman. Yeah, yes. is the angry black woman. Um, and 
she is the loud, the ghetto, the unattractive best friend that's often there to make the light skin or the white friend look better. The sapphire would be like um, the Dijonet Jones in the Proud family. Uh, the sapphire would be um, like Pam, like Gina's best friend in Martin. The sapphire is the stereotypical black woman that you often see on TV. Ooh, Ivy and Good Luck Charlie. Mm-hmm. 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 And those are those are the three roles that black women to this day fit in. And all three of those roles come from uh, sl- slavery era and the post-slavery wow. South. We even got Disney perpetuating those mm-hmm. roles. That's insane. Yeah, he yeah. I always think of I always think about that when. So you know Trash P Henson, right? She's she's not that dark. Like seriously, she could be considered like a. Could she be considered a light skinned Mataraji? Oh, uh, she's, she's like, like medium a, a light tone. brown. A light. She's like a, a light, light brown, brown, but I wouldn't exactly yeah. consider her light skin because like when she's like natural with like no makeup. She's not. Is she light skin? I don't know. But I'm Maybe always thinking. Of her right I'm always there. I can't remember. What like she was because like. like I've never seen a role where Taraji isn't the angry black woman. Like mm-hmm. think about it. She's like always mad. They always make her mad. She got something to be mad about. She got something to be mad about <laughs> definitely. But they always like portray her as the angry black woman yeah, who's she's always like a light brown. She yeah. She's like a light brown. Those pictures are like very face tuned though. I mean this one very edited. Cause like the na- I I be look- I'm looking at like this the natural. She's like a light brown. She's like a light she's brown. She's lighter than me. Yeah, but I don't know. I just like whenever I see her portray per, like portrayals in like film and TV, she's always mad. Mm-hmm. Always mad, and it's just like, why can't you just make her happy for once? Like, why? She wasn't mad in Hidden Figures. Like, yes, she was. Oh, yes, she was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was. And she had she had every right to be mad, but like. Yeah, they just really never made her happy. They really did. Ever. Oh, she was in Madagascar. Was she mad was in she? Madagascar? She probably was. Um, was she... Yeah. No, it was Jada Pinkett Smith. Like, who was Taraji? I don't know. We're, going We're off track. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so. So all that to say, um, colorism is alive and well it's alive and thriving and i there's also like been like backlash towards like light-skinned actresses who want to get mad about like colorism like there is this one girl her name is alexander ship i don't know if you know her but she's she's been in a couple few movies like new movies and someone said something about like how she needs to like step back and let black like darker skinned women take roles meant for dark skinned women. Yeah, she is pretty. <laughs> but yeah, someone said something about make, having her like step back and like ha- not playing roles meant for dark skinned women. And she like went off talking about like how ninety percent of the racism she faced comes from black people and how like she like she did, she she was like mixing up the terms racism and colorism. So I feel like oh honey yeah no. yeah. She completely mixed up the terms, yeah. and she was thoroughly confused. She, she, like she said, that ninety percent of the racism she experiences is from black people. Oh, <laughs> you got it wrong. You got it wrong. <laughs> um, I don't know where it was coming from, but she uh, was mad. Okay, Alexandra. Okay, girl, this went off, um, and I was just like, really, mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah, the thing, the thing about colorism, is that I think. The definition, or for me, like, what I've noticed personally is I think it's extending more where it's, like, any girl that's, like, light brown mm-hmm. and lighter is getting the roles. They've, like, pushed it a little bit more mm-hmm. where, like, you wouldn't see, like, I honestly don't think you would have seen someone like Yara Shahidi's color, mm-hmm. like, a few years back. Mm-hmm. 
but now she's like the darkest Hollywood will, will go. Yeah. And she's a cool brown. <laughs> she's a she's a cool brown on a good day. Yeah. Like so. And I just um. I don't know because the way what I see a lot is a reflection of my own like home Mm -hmm. and what we see on tv i know has affected a lot like my friends and family um because excuse me like this depiction of black women like the from like dijanae to like um aishwara ray she's like a very light skinned um hindi actress and she has like these beautiful like blue green eyes so pretty the ultimate love interest and you will never see like she's the um, ultimate brown love interest she is the ultimate like the super saiyan mode She's she always ends up with like white guys. Yeah, too. there's this new thing like Hindi movies where they like match like a light skinned girl Bro, with a white you, guy. She's the one in Bride and Prejudice, right? Yeah, she's the Bro, one in Bride and Prejudice. That was a good movie. And that was a good movie. It was about a girl who marries a white guy. That's okay. Yeah, but <laughs> um, but it's just the thing that was so frustrating is that I like because I grew up on Bollywood movies mm-hmm. and like these TV shows. I internalized that if I was dark, I would automatically be undesirable. If I was dark, that would mean I wasn't smart anymore. And that's always reinforced within, like, the Somali community mm-hmm. itself. So, like, we can, like, go into mm-hmm. how it affects our own communities now because colorism is a big problem in the Somali community. Oh like, God. girl. Yes. Girl. Like, so colorism within the Somali community is, like, a huge issue. There's, like, t- so many skin-bleaching products. There's so many, like, lighteners. There's so much There's so much shade t- towards darker-skinned people. And it just, it doesn't fly with me. It doesn't fly with a lot of people. But nobody's going to talk about it because Somali people are just, yeah. I love us. I mean, um, we, we love us. <laughs> so I went to Jordan last summer. And Jordan is a very hot place mm-hmm. in the Middle East. And when I was there, obviously, I tanned. Mm-hmm. Um, I tan a lot. Like I, alhamdulillah, I'm someone that like when I'm in the sun for two seconds, I get two shades darker, and I love it. Like, um, I like being like bronzed, and beautiful, <laughs> and so like I was on the plane home, I was feeling myself. I was like, I'm, I'm beautiful. I'm looking like a brownie, like a snack. <laughs> I touch down, and for honestly, even now, because like when I tan, I don't lose my tan for a really long time. Right, so I'm right. still not back to the color I was before I left. And this was like a year and a half. Not a year. No, no, just a year. Like oh, a um, year. last August. A year. Um, and so I, all I would hear from anyone was like, "Oh my God, you got so dark." Even my eyebrow lady, like, <laughs> I don't know you like that. I saw her and she was like, "Oh, you got dark. You're so yeah. dark now. What happened?" And like growing up, you always you always hear mm-hmm. like your parents talking about it, and like whenever they'd be talking about other people, you always hear them mm-hmm. talking smack about darker skinned people, darker skin people and talking like about how oh she's not pretty, she's she's not light enough, she's not right. pretty, she's this color, she's not pretty, she's this. So it's just like when you grow up hearing those things reinforced over and over again in your head, you mm-hmm. don't realize it. Like I didn't realize that I I internalized so much mm-hmm. of that until like a couple years ago and right. I'm I'm like of a darker skin tone so whenever I would hear those things like my mom would always be like oh but not you and mm-hmm. that's just like that doesn't help what do you mean <laughs> like it's 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 yeah yeah what were you gonna say I was just gonna say like alhamdulillah I love myself so much and I love the color I am like whether I'm like darker or lighter mm-hmm. um but it's just so interesting because I so like in my family like we have like a range of colors uh-huh um, so my mom and my sister are very light, and, like, some of my brothers are pretty dark. Mm-hmm. But it's so, I don't know, it's just, like, so interesting to see, like, family dynamics just from, like, extended family, not even just, and, like, random people. Definitely. Definitely. Based on our skin tone. And I know, like, something I notice a lot, especially, I just, people like to guess. 
So when I was in Jordan, something I noticed a lot is people like to guess where I was from. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I will get it. Keep going. <laughs> like, so I always got, um, so when I get tan, I get a little like, like, so I normally have like yellowish orangey undertones, but when I get tan, I become more orangey red, right? Especially like, I was low-key a little burnt, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I don't like sunscreen. <laughs> and so people would try to guess what I was. Mm-hmm. And um, so they always had two guesses. And both of them, so one, people would always be like, are you Indian? People always think I'm Indian. Indian. Always. And it's literally because they just don't have, um, it's because when they think of black people, they have a very specific image, and they're like, oh, she's Muslim, she's not black. Or like, oh, she's like, like, oh, her, like, nose is a little different. Or like, oh, she has just like this thing, so she can't be black. Let me, like, think of my, let me, like, pull up my list of whatever else she could Mm -hmm. be. And it was just, it was so weird. So many people used to think mm-hmm. I was Indian, like, especially when I was a kid. You were black. I have, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, just because I'm chocolate, don't mean I'm Indian. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I guess I under, like, when I was a kid, I had, I had really, really soft hair. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, damn near wavy when Ooh, I was a kid. And, okay. it, and it curled up real tight yeah. <laughs> when I got older. So as a kid, having, like, wavy, curly hair... If it's softer, people just automatically thought I was Indian. People mm-hmm. did not think, like, Africans could have soft hair. Right. So it was just not within, like, the range. They're like, no, no, no. Africa's mm-hmm. not in this equation. This mm-hmm. is, she's definitely Indian. So I would get Sri Lanka a lot. People always thought I was Sri Lankan. It's a little, like, yeah. drop island. Yeah, 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 yeah. People always thought I was Sri Lankan. And I was like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> Even my family would call me Sri Lankan. I was like, this has gone too far. And this then, is, yeah. <laughs> and something else that's really weird is that people also um, use that as a compliment. Like, yeah. Like, you don't look black. That's a compliment. Yeah. Or people just trying to distance themselves from blackness because they understand the negativity. Definitely. Like, the other day... My cousin called me, and she was she was like hanging out with her friends or whatever. And this girl who was sitting next to her, she'd had she'd had a few drinks, you know. She, her sober thoughts were coming out as <laughs> drunk words, and she said to her, "You're pretty for a black girl." And my cousin was about to go off, but she didn't. She just like kept to herself, kept kept doing whatever she was doing with her friends. And this girl kept going; she wasn't stopping. She kept saying, "Yeah, you should be like, you're really pretty for a black girl." Like I have not seen any pretty black girls. Like I would have guessed you weren't from africa like you're so pretty like whoa like you're actually pretty she wouldn't stop so yeah i just there's so many people who think like that but just won't say it because they, they know they're gonna get bobbed so they won't say it out loud but you know when you get when you get these people drunk they'll say it they will say it so yeah i just think that's crazy that people actually think like that and like are you kidding me africans are baddies like right? that's a real joke that's the gag that's the tea <laughs> And something else that, like, just, I've noticed a lot just in general consumption of media, like, not just TV and movies, but, like, in music mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. a lot of the times, um, it's, like, dark-skinned women aren't very, aren't really present at all. Like, if it's, like, a breakup song or, like, a song about your crazy ex-girlfriend, they she'll never, probably be yeah, dark-skinned. She'll, she'll, probably, mm-hmm. she'll probably be dark-skinned, demonized. Yeah. And, and yeah, the video girl that's, like, mm-hmm. the one who's, like, they're fawning over and is always being seen in a positive skinned. light. She's light-skinned with straight hair. Or if it's not mm-hmm. straight, it's bouncy, yeah. round, ringlet curls. And it's really frustrating because, like, both of those images harm all black women. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, it's hyper-sexualizing light-skinned women and, like, ethnically ambiguous black women. And it's, like, creating them to be this, like, weird, like, sexual thing. And, like, black women are, like, and dark-skinned black women are, like, being demonized once again. Yeah. And it's just, it's so disgusting. But it's something that people continue to, like, perpetuate because it's so deeply ingrained into them. Mm-hmm. And 
I know, um, just like for me, when I would watch, because we used to, me and my sister used to watch like music videos, like for the two seconds we had actual cable in my life. <laughs> yeah. And every single time, it's like the video girl, not even like just even beyond the video girl, like the girl, you know, like 106 in Park and like mm-hmm. those music countdown yeah, yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. The um the host was always a light skin. You'll like, never a, find a dark yeah, skin. Yeah, like a conventionally attractive yeah. light skin girl. Yeah, and it's so frustrating because like the only time dark skinned black women are ever accepted in media and they're not being put into like one of these like gross stereotypical roles is when they have Eurocentric features. Mm-hmm. It's like when the it's only again, thing yeah. like black about them is their skin tone. Yeah, it's again, when it's they like, have like a thin nose and the like, straight Halle hair aesthetic, mm-hmm. the tall thin light skin eurocentric featured mm-hmm. girl and it's like, just it's, it's very damaging so disgusting and i know um i think for me probably the most formative time in my life in relation to colorism like when i felt it the most was in middle school because mm-hmm. oh my god 12 year olds are so mean very so, i can relate relate in, in middle school um so i didn't leave my house so i was a little bit lighter than i am now I never left my house. Me too, me too, me too. Um, but there was this one girl, and she was beautiful, and she was literally, she was so gorgeous. She was, like, tall. She's probably a model now. Like, she could definitely be a model. But she had, like, this really beautiful, like, deep, deep dark skin. Mm-hmm. And she would get teased every single day. And, like, no matter what she did, no matter what she said, no matter how kind she was to people, they would tease her. And it was... For no reason other than the fact that she They're had jealous. dark skin. They were honestly probably jealous. jealous. And what frustrated me is that the people that were teasing her were dark-skinned black boys. And, like, I genuinely believe it's because of the way dark-skinned black women are portrayed and because of the way they're demonized and dehumanized, they thought it was okay for them to do that because they've seen it perpetuated probably, like, in their life and in the media continuously. And so they, they see this beautiful girl... And they think it's okay to tear her down. Mm-hmm. And it, like, was this really slippery slope because these boys were friends with white boys who then would join in and make fun of her skin color. And it was this horrific thing. But what upsets me the most, looking back on it, is that after seeing that happen to her, I was, like I said, 12-year-olds are, like, pieces of shit. They're horrible, as was I. <laughs> um, I genuinely, like, I liked her as a person. She was a very kind person. But after that, what I thought in my head was like, I was like, Alhamdulillah, thank God I'm not, I'm not that dark. Mm-hmm. And I sit with that and I think about it a lot because, like, even a lot to this day, I still find myself thinking like, oh, at least I'm not that dark. Like, at least, um, like, yeah, I'm not light skinned, but, but at least I'm not, I'm not dark. So I still have some privilege mm-hmm. and I still have some leeway. And I'll never experience being ridiculed for my skin. Was she, like, my skin tone or darker? No, she was darker. Like, she had very, very deep skin. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, it breaks my heart. And I really hope she's okay now because, like, there's, there's no way you can recover on your... Like, that, like it takes... Yeah. I, it's something no, that, that happened like, to me. years of therapy no, to I was, get over that. No, I was, like, it was just teased all the time for my hair in elementary school. Mm-hmm. All the time. And it was by, like, young black boys. Mm-hmm. And I swear, there's that group of disrespectful young black boys in every school that are just, like, it's it's such a big problem. And I don't think we have time to, like, get into, like, the wormhole of, like, the, like, the damaging stereotypes that, like, young black boys internalize and then, like, just inflict so much harm on their black sisters. It's just... It's so disgusting and damaging to the black community as a whole. I just, 
<sighs> so many people have experienced that. Like, I know, like, a lot of my friends have experienced that. I've experienced that. My sisters have experienced that. It's, it's crazy. And, like, in my research, I, this is so much deeper than I thought. Um, I found, like, this, this study, and it was talking about how because of, like, constant, like, being constantly berated with, like, disgusting and, like, really horrible negative images of themselves, young dark-skinned women are more likely to, like, turn to risky behavior, mm-hmm. like, um, like, just, like, dangerous situations and drugs because of their lowered self-esteem through the media and how they're represented. And that's something I've never thought of, like, a day in my life. I didn't think that because someone has darker skin and because of, like, negative stereotypes are being pushed on them through the media, like, either covertly or overtly, like, they could turn to, like, their life could become, like, in danger because Mm -hmm. of the lowered self-esteem. Yeah. And I just, and out of, like, these three, like, I just want to go back and touch on, like, the three, um, the three archetypes once more, the Mammy, the Jezebel, and the Sapphire. And I like I like to kind of like pick out like which because every time there's a dark skinned black character, um, I can almost guarantee that she will fit into one of those roles. Mm-hmm. And one thing, so I watch Glee a lot. It's like same, I'm, ash- I'm ashamed. But I'm I ashamed. I did watch it a lot. And Mercedes Jones is her last name Jones. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mercedes who, in my opinion, was by far the best, most talented singer. But she was always, always outshined by Rachel Berry. Not even outshined, but, like, put behind as a backup dancer for Rachel Berry, the slim white girl. Rachel, like, okay, she was a good singer, but she was not as good as Mercedes. Mercedes is better than her, but she never got the roles. Yeah, but she never got the roles Mm -hmm. because Rachel fit the mold. And, like, looking back on Mercedes' character, Mercedes was definitely a mammy. Because a lot of her character growth and her, like, her own personal story arc was interrupted by her friend's issues. And she had to stop and, like, listen to her friend's issues. She had to stop and, like, take care of these yeah. people. And she was, like, only there as, like, a thing mm-hmm. of comfort for these people. And she yeah. and also, like, to deliver, like, the quick witty lines, like, the funny the funny jokes and just be, like, sassy. She was mm-hmm. just there to be sassy. Yeah. And it was, like, an occasional, like, belt out a note. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Yeah. She never had, like, a storyline. She never had... She had, like, a few, a couple throughout, mm-hmm. the, like, what, six seasons that show went on? Yeah. And her family was mentioned once. My dad's a dentist. Like, that's like, it. I go to a church. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. So, yeah. And another thing is, like, the thing about Mercedes' character, like, the Mammy character in specific, is that um, it intersects with fat phobia and, like, with uh, fat shaming in a really specific way because the Mammy character is almost exclusively like reserved for fat dark skinned black women mm-hmm. and like a, a thinner woman or like a woman whose like body type or proportions are like more socially acceptable will never like will almost never be put into a Mammy role. I've never seen um like a thinner black girl be the Mammy and because of this woman's body type and because of like Mercedes body um like, yeah, she did have, like, relationships, mm-hmm. but her sexuality wasn't explored in the way as, like, the other teenage characters yeah. were. And, like, and what they did was, like, they made her, like, save herself for marriage, which, like, I get a lot of people actually do in real life, but I thought that was very interesting that they chose, like, the fat girl. Because everyone, mm-hmm. everyone else on that show was having yeah, sex. they were all All fucking. of them. They all were them. all fucking. So, yeah, I just find it interesting that mm-hmm. they specifically were reserved the role of 
like the virgin, the virgin to, to Mercedes mm-hmm. when I Quinn Fabray was a super Christian who was trying to save herself. She got pregnant. But then got pregnant. I just think it's funny. I just find it funny. <laughs> like, mm. mm-mm. And it's and I also find it super interesting how like whenever, whenever a person of color or a black person tries to get in anywhere like in depth, like farther than like race racism when it comes to like race relations when we pass like racism white like I feel like people are just like okay now you're asking for too much like colorism now you're asking for like different shades to be represented in the media like you're asking for too much like I feel like that's what happens whenever I have this conversation with like people who I know that like aren't on my side and people who like like whenever I have this conversation with you I can tell like that you like agree and that like we're on the same page when it comes to this did you want to pause but, like, whenever I'm talking to, like, a group of people who don't really talk about racism, don't really talk about things, like, beyond racism, I feel like they get super uncomfortable and they feel like black people are just asking for too much now and that we're just, like, we just complain about everything and we bitch and moan and whine, like, about everything. So, yeah, it's very disconcerting when you're trying to talk about things that are, like, not deeper than racism but go beyond racism and people will just shoot you down. Mm-hmm. And when, like, things like lighter-skinned, like, when things like lighter-skinned are, um, I don't know, I just don't understand why, I noticed that this issue, like, colorism, it's, it's global, and mm-hmm. it affects, like, lots of different communities, not just black people. Definitely. And white people just don't understand. They, like, truly I feel like they don't. feel like we should just stick to racism and, like, defeat that, yeah. because it's its own beast, and that we shouldn't be trying to get into, like, different things too much, because... We like it's it's too much for the community to handle all at the same time. Like it's too it's too much. But I feel like this like that rhetoric is like similar to like that of like governors in like the nineteen fifties and the nineteen sixties who kept pushing this idea that like you're trying to move too fast. Like the civil rights movement, we can't handle all that at the same time. Like we can't desegregate all the schools. We can't. That's too fast. That's too much. Too quick. And yeah, I just feel like we can't we can't fall into that because we're not going to get anything solved if we could keep trying to wait because time is neutral. Time isn't going to do anything for us. Mm-hmm. And if we just keep waiting and doing nothing, it's not going to the problem is not going to fix itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people who say that you're trying to do too much really just need to go reevaluate everything they've ever read and just research and just try to educate themselves on things that they don't understand because I feel like they're talking from a place from a place of ignorance and they think that we're asking too much but really we're just asking like the bare minimum of respect and representation so and I think like a lot of that the misunderstanding from white people in specific I think it comes from them not understanding that black people are unique and complex and like totally different like no one black person is going to be like the other Mm -hmm. and I think that white people just want to see black people and other like people of color as the same yeah that that, yeah that, that goes for all people of color there isn't one specific like like mm-hmm. a bolder person that you can yeah. make that you can make to just make every person the same like the same stereotype like we can't all be like the single model minority from our like specific mm-hmm. race so it just doesn't work mm-hmm. and that misunderstanding like because they don't understand that fundamental thing that people of color are all different because mm-hmm. we're people we're human they don't understand why things like colorism are a big deal because it's like oh one black person is in is on like my all white TV show. Shouldn't that be good enough for you? Mm-hmm. Even if that one black person is like a light skinned, conventionally attractive girl that looks like she could possibly be mixed with something else. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's so frustrating because when people keep doing that, 
um, light skin is inherently associated with, like, femininity and beauty, mm-hmm. and, like, dark skin is associated with, like, masculinity and, like, ugliness, and, like, masculinity is not a bad thing, like, neither is femininity, but when things like that happen, um, we start to, like, put that on, like, mm-hmm. men of color as well. Yeah, and, like, I noticed, um, just, like, within my own communities that, like, a lot of the times, girls will be like, oh, I don't want a light-skinned guy. Like, no, yeah. no, I don't want a light-skinned nigga. Light-skinned mm-hmm. boys, like, yeah. And it's, like, because light skin a lot of the times, is associated, like, with femininity, and so, like, light-skinned guys are, like, more vain. And they get selfish, more girls. They get more girls. Um, like, people don't want that, yeah. but, like, a dark-skinned man is more masculine. And they'll take and, care of you, like. Yeah. And it's, like, they're taking those colorist roles and they're, like, putting them on onto men and, like, they're putting, like, toxic masculinity onto these, like, men of color. Yeah. And a lot of the times, like, it's frustrating because when people don't talk about colors, when people talk about colorism, like, I know we're focusing on women right now, mm-hmm. but it's also important to, like, Definitely acknowledge, men like, well. men being mm-hmm. affected by colorism and how that intersects with, like, toxic, toxic masculinity and ideals of, like, what it means to be a man. And I feel like we're just now starting to wake up and fight the issue, because I feel like for definitely a long period of time, it was not only accepted by the, like, black community, but embraced. Like, you know, the whole team light skin thing. People were really for it, and they weren't fighting it. Like, people were really falling into the colorist roles that were being presented to them, and it was so, like, damaging to our community that we weren't even noticing that we were really playing into these stereotypes and we were really like throwing ourselves, not only accepting, but throwing ourselves into these colorist roles. Mm -hmm. So I feel like now that we're like actually starting to like wake up and talk about them, it's really like a monumental step forward for not only like the black community, but other Mm -hmm. people of color as well. And I know last year or yeah, yeah. About a year ago, I wrote an essay for my English class at the college about um, like uh, black boy joy and femininity in dark-skinned black men that's often denied them and I remember my teacher was very angry about my essay he's a white man Ooh. <laughs> and so the way we did our essays is that we presented him to the class and it was a class that was almost all white people and so a lot of the white people also didn't get it and what was frustrating to me is he was automatically on the defense and he um he tried to embarrass me, quite honestly. Um, and so I, I know what he, he basically said to me. One of the, He said a lot of things. But one of the things he said to me was that he was like, so you're telling me that a white, a large six foot two white guy and a large six foot two black man are not going to be treated the same and that the black man is going to be like um, treated as more aggressive and inherently masculine. And I'm like, yeah. That is how things work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Do you want me to say no? And he kept trying to find holes in the argument, but there weren't holes there. And he was just angry that I said that white men and black men are being treated differently. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sir, do you not understand racism? Yeah. Do you? What? What class did this teacher teach? He taught an English class. It was English. Mm-hmm. It was, um, it was like an advanced English class. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember the name, but... He wanted me to, like, rewrite my essay and, like, edit it, and I did not. What were not. his gripes with it again? He, well, one of the main points that he was upset about was that he was, he didn't like that I was talking about how toxic masculinity is different in the black community and different for black men because there's inherent stereotypes of black men being aggressors and being angry and violent. Uh-huh. And because black men deal with stereotypes that white men just don't, 
masculinity and in turn toxic masculinity affects black men differently. So he didn't understand that? He did not. And he was just straight up denying it. And what? he was like, masculinity is the same for all men of all That's colors. So and he just wasn't understanding the way that race and like color intersects with someone's masculinity and how they're perceived. And he just was not having it. People forgetting what intersectionality means. Mm-hmm. It's just really it's really interesting. Like it's the same teacher that sat whoa. down and like straight up said, oh, I have so many stories about what this is teacher. This? <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> irrelevant. And not irrelevant. This man needs but, to be stopped. But yeah, that's he, insane. Yeah. That's insane. And I just I don't understand why people can't accept that issues have intersections. And that people are treated differently. They really like, just want to paint it mess? with one big broad brush, and that's not how it works. Not everything is that black and white. There's everything is gray. Nothing's actually black and white. So, it really makes no sense. But yeah, I was just another thing I wanted to hit was I was online the other day and I saw some. There was some like backlash towards Issa Rae. You know who that is? <gasps> I yeah. love Issa Rae. So Issa, yeah, I love Wait, Issa Rae. Are you gonna spoil Insecure? Cause no, I'm no, 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 no. This is about her book. Um, I think it was Awkward Black Girl Ooh. in 2015. That she said something about how young black women and young Asian men should join forces because they're both put at the bottom of the dating pool. True. Um, so she was talking about how they should join forces, and people like got really offended by that. What do you think about that? Um, do you think they're right to be offended, or do you think like it makes I sense? Think, I think she's right. Like, there's actual data and numbers that show that, like, on dating apps, Asian men either like get the fewest matches or like one of the some of the fewest matches, and that's because like Asian men just are not perceived as masculine mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the times Asian people are fetishized and seen as like submissive. It's really gross, but because like that submissiveness is fetishized and hypersexualized in Asian women, um, that same trait is used to like downplay Asian men's sexuality and masculinity. Mm-hmm. And like, there's nothing wrong with being a feminine Asian man. A lot of men that are Asian are denied their masculinity is what I've noticed. And, so like yeah, um, from my you experience, agree? yeah, she's yeah. she's not wrong. She's not wrong. That's what I was. At. She's definitely not mm-hmm. not Cause, wrong. Because like for the same reason that people, um, like on dating apps, a lot of the times are turned off by Asian men because of their own prejudice. It's yeah. because of the lack of masculinity. People see black women as too masculine. And the thing is, I really find it funny that the people who are getting offended were black men who are the girl like, girl, like literally that's the whole thing like, of girl by that's the gag. The, like, how are you really going to like not appreciate black women for the longest time and then get mad when they don't want you no more? That's just, that's, that's so dumb. That's so dumb to me. And also I got the name of the book wrong. It's called the misadventures of an awkward black girl. So yeah, apparently it's really, really good, so I'm going to probably read that soon. Um, yeah, I mean, she's really she's not, not wrong. wrong. <laughs> she's not wrong. And people want, they want, they really want to get offended because it messes with their masculinity. Like, they're, someone's telling them that you're not going to get the girl, and they want to get mad about that. But it's not, it's not our fault you weren't appreciating us. It's not. So, there's the door. Take several seats. Um... Um, do we have anything else we want to chat about before we close it out for today? Uh, actually, yes. I want to put, I think I want to like tie it back. Tie it um, back? Yeah, to our community. Alrighty. Um, we can cut this out, it's fine. Okay. Um, and I just want to like tie everything back together and bring it back once more. Um, 
and just saying that the media that we consume as like children really mm-hmm. stays with us and it affects us and it's frustrating because um we do have to kind of take what we can get a lot because there's just especially like in western and american media there's just not a lot of representation of black people and people of color in general and people don't really realize the power of internalization mm-hmm. during our formative years because yeah. i i can remember something that someone said to me in fourth grade on this day at mm-hmm. this certain time once so imagine if that if an idea is being reinforced yeah. in every single aspect of my life imagine how much of that i'm gonna take with me for the rest of my life it's yeah, it's just so, it's it's very impactful on children, and not enough people talk about it, and not enough people realize how, like, how much it really affects our psyche, and how much it affects the way we carry ourselves for the rest of our lives. But I do think things are getting better for children, mm-hmm. because my little sister, she's about, she's almost three years old. Um, I watch a lot of her shows with her, and I do see that there are, like, my her favorite show is Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And I've never heard of that. It's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, except they turned it into a cartoon with a little cartoon tiger named Daniel. And it's like, he lives in, like, you know how, like, um, like in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, like, he would take off his shoes and little Charlie would go into the land of make-believe? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it takes place in the land of make-believe. So, like, all the little puppets and stuff. Oh, my God, a spinoff? Okay. Right? <laughs> okay. It's, it's so good. It's so like, all the little puppets and stuff that were in the land of make-believe are cartoons now. And there's um this little girl, her name is Miss Elena. And she's this beautiful little black girl. I thought you were going to say miscellaneous. <laughs> no, like Miss Elena. Like, she's, like, okay. four years old, but you better call okay. her Miss. Um, okay. And she's this, like, beautiful, like, she's two little beautiful Afro puffs, and she's, like, oh living her God. best That's life. so cute. And there's, like, there's also, like, Daniel's doctor is also, like, a dark-skinned woman of color. Right? Wait, what? Right? Two? Two? This was and, like, unheard of. her father is, like, this, like, musician man who's, like, present in, like, everyone's no. life. And, like, another show she loves is, like, Doc McStuffins, which is, like, this little girl who's, like, her, her, she's, like, the doctor for her stuffed animals, and she's also a dark-skinned little black girl. And this is so crazy. I don't know. I think I've, like, put all my energy into making sure my little sister sees herself reflected in what she consumes and, like, grows up not internalizing any of the messages that I did when I was younger. And I so I bought her a little book from Costco, and it's called I Love Myself, or I Like Myself, and it's this little black girl who's talking about all the things she loves about herself. I mean, every little, (laughs) my favorite song. And she loves it so much, and it looks like, the little girl looks just like her, so she thinks it's That's so cute. Where was this when we were children? Where? I would have been. Not here. Not 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 here. here, not there, not anywhere. I did not see none of that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I and I I would never have known about any of that cuz I don't have any children in my household. No. Like the, my my younger sibling is 15. Shoot. So Damn. Yeah. You're like 15. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we're the, we're the same age. <laughs> don't try it. <laughs> I just I'm so grateful for having her because I feel like she she no, she should be grateful for having me is what I mean. Exactly. She's gonna like she's just she's growing up in a time where people are becoming more accepting and that and that she also has like the means and the resources to find things that represent her. Where like when we were kids, like what's on TV is what's on TV. Like, yeah. Like it or not, you can turn it off. Yeah. Go outside, maybe. Barely had cable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, I'm so happy for her and for her future because it'll be one where she can see herself on TV and she can see herself reflected like in positive roles, and she won't just be like something to be fetishized or demonized. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good place to stop. Do you? Yeah, I think yeah. this is a good place to stop. Um, that's it. That's you it know. for today's episode. You can um, check out 
more about my senior project on our website, yougotthispodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Twitter mm-hmm. at You Got This. Uh, YGT, YGT Podcast. YGT Podcast. On YGT Podcast. and IG. My mistake. Okay. So, again, this is Nasra. And this is Layla. And you got this. Bye. Well, I feel like this is a good place to stop. What about you? Yeah. Um, you can find out more about my senior project on colorism in the media and its effect on black, dark-skinned black women on our website, yougotthispodcast.com. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, at YGT Podcast. Um, next week, we'll be talking about toxic masculinity and how it affects our community and how it's portrayed in the media. Yeah. So again, this is Nasra. And this is Layla. And, and you, you got, got this. this. Cord button.